This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, RetailOpeningsAndClosings.com. In today's dynamic retail landscape, tracking openings and closings before they take place has never been more important. Having this intelligence is an undeniable competitive advantage. RetailOpeningsAndClosings.com, also known as ROCK, tracks future openings and future closings. Comprehensive, accurate, and reliable, the ROCK is your crystal ball and the key to making well-informed decisions with confidence in today's evolving retail climate. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today we have Adam Williams. Adam's from North Carolina, and he is a partner at Legacy Real Estate Advisors. Excited to have him here. Adam has his own podcast as well, and he'll tell you a little bit about that as well as much more. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you uh, having me. I, I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully, we can we can chat a little bit about retail and about the real estate industry and hopefully add a little bit of value for the listeners. Yeah. So, Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff. All right. We'll do. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Nobody wants to hear my origin story. It's not terribly interesting. I started, you know, back in early 2000s in the residential world, straight out of college. I was selling pool equipment and anything else I can do to, you know, not have to like live with my parents or something horrible. Uh, figured out I, I love people. I love relationships. Got into real estate. Uh, then you got into commercial real estate as quickly as I could. Uh, eventually became a partner and a principal in a firm called Legacy Real Estate Advisors, which is a, a boutique real estate firm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, at some point, probably very close to the downturn in 2008, 2009, I realized that just being a commercial real estate broker by itself wasn't going wasn't gonna to really get me where I wanted to be. A friend of mine convinced me to start a, start a uh, blog at that point called restauranttraffic.com. And that was before Eater and Yelp and all that stuff. Uh, and I was able to leverage that along with a friend of mine, Dave Sherhart, to become kind of like the go-to resource in Charlotte, North Carolina for you know, what was happening in restaurants, what was coming, what was hot, yada, yada, yada. I leveraged that to become, you know, arguably the leading kind of retail broker in, in Charlotte and eventually, you know, expanded the footprint there as well. Um, and, and then was able to leverage that into ownership. Uh, was able to do my own concepts, invest in some other concepts, which, you know, happy to go into that at some point. Um, eventually got sick of the, the blog because honestly the content devolved into you know, who has the best chicken wings on Wednesday kind of content just to continually, um, continually have content out there because that's what Google demands. And I, I just thought I wasn't adding value. I wasn't enjoying my content. So I, I, it wasn't hard to figure out that I doubt that my listeners were. So I, I really love podcasts and thought about how I could really continue to add value. And so kind of shut everything on restaurant traffic down, started a podcast called Retail Redeveloped and have had a hell of a good time doing it. And honestly, I've been extremely blessed because 
yeah, I have a good network of people in the retail business. And honestly, the amount I've been able to learn just by having your really exceptional retail minds on the show every week has, has been a lot of fun. Uh, so, you know, I love brands. I love retail. Um, I love, I love doing business on the, on the East coast and, and, you know, hope to do it for some time. Awesome. What concepts did you invest in? Oh, we've done, we've done a few, honestly, uh, everything. The, the first one that I, that I did was a bowling alley in uh, the Myers Park neighborhood of Charlotte, which is a, a really wonderful, uh, you know, great demographics in Charlotte, North Carolina. We were able to, me and two partners were able to go in and buy uh, a 1960 bowling alley that was on a phenomenal street, but you know, the owner hadn't invested more than like, you know, a new Coke machine in the last 20 years. Sure. Uh, so we were able to kind of turn it inside out, add a tremendous amount of uh, food and beverage, uh, patio space, kind of turn it into, you know, kind of a fun CNBC kind of place in Myers Park as opposed to a smoky, uh, you know, league focused bowling alley. Uh, so we were able to do that, been able to leverage into a couple other things since then. But that, that was the first one that put me on the other side of the, of the ball uh, as far as just being a kind of a transactional broker to actually have an ownership and a concept. And I can tell you it's a, it's a whole, different, whole different ball game. Uh, the retail world, uh, you know, I like kind of taking a fee and, and moving on down the road. It's, it's, it's quite different when you're, when you're, you know, counting the money at the end of the night. And is that still open today? It is. Well, technically not today. Right. Because it, it's part of phase three, but uh, I sold out my interest uh, about two years ago uh, the, my, to my, my other two partners who wanted to, to try to grow the concept and they, they still own it and hopefully we'll be operating it again here when the, when the world starts turning again. Yeah. I hope so, man. And, and today, what is your business primarily focused on today? You know, I do, I do a few different things. Uh, again, Legacy Real Estate Advisors is, is one of the fastest growing boutique commercial real estate firms in Charlotte. Uh, you spend a lot of time, uh, invest a lot of time in, in that business. And, you know, I would say that my business is split. I represent a lot of uh, institutional landlords. Uh, like if you are an institutional landlord that owns skyscrapers or large multifamily projects, I come in and try to figure out how figure out with you how to make the ground floor cool, how to amenitize it, how to how to really help you succeed in the rest of your asset. Do ton of retail work, ton of restaurant work. Obviously, restaurants kind of were were leading the charge on retail up until a few months ago. So we do a lot of that work. I also help you know really interesting brands grow. I used to do a ton of tenant rep. Now I'm, I'm more focused on the type of tenant rep that I do. It has to be a brand that, that really kind of grabs me, but still like doing that work. Uh, and also we, we take advantage of opportunities all the time on the, on the ownership side. Uh, if they're right, a uh, project that has me excited right now, you know, sounds kind of crazy, but we're, we've taken an old um, men's shelter that's really well located in a neighborhood here in in Charlotte, and are, are redeveloping that into a uh, into a kind of a boutique micro hotel. 
that that I think will be will be really interesting. Uh, it's it's small, so it's not going to have that you know get into an elevator claustrophobic kind of feeling that a lot of the hotels are dealing with right now. Uh, I think I think we'll be able to do something really cool there. So, did you buy the property? Are you the hotel operator? Yeah, all that. All- all of it. Uh, so you're going to operate the hotel and you own the property. Wow. Hey, we, we figure if we can figure out a bowling alley, maybe we can figure out a, a, a property as well. We have really good partners. Um, I mean, everything from the design up to the management um, should be should be pretty interesting. But uh, but it's all about location for me. You know, I, I love being able to look at a location and you know try to think of something creative that that would really you know help that location pop and take it to the next level. Very cool. So appreciate that intro. Let's move a little bit. Let's talk about you're in Charlotte and you're seeing what's going on down there, but you're reading headline news everywhere and you're pretty plugged in, you know, high level. What's the state of retail today? What's going on in your world? What's going on in your world? How do you see it? Uh, And all that. Well, right now it's a hard time to answer that question. You know, I mean, things have, you know, I have a lot of really close friends in the business. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and have come up with a lot of these guys that are, are a lot of the successful restaurateurs in and around my area. And, you know, I'm not even talking to them about new business and new deals right now. It's more like, Hey, how can I help? What are you dealing with? You know, what, you know, how, how can, how can I add value? Um, you know, it's a lot less sales calls, you know, salesy type conversations on a lot more like, Hey, how can, how can I help? Right? Like you just furloughed 90% of your staff, one of whom is your brother-in-law. Like you don't want to talk to me about doing new deals right now. Right. Uh, so right now it's a challenging time. I see, you know, a lot of, I see the need for a lot of very creative deal making over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of the deals that are done were either already mostly baked before COVID hit or they're deals that, that you really need to do some, some de-risking for the potential tenant, uh, whether it be, you know, higher than normal TI, whether it be, you know, really creative lease structures. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to be really interesting here for the next, for the next year. You know, I deal with sophisticated landlords and sophisticated tenants and, and those guys are, you know, their balance sheets are getting crushed right now. And, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting time to do deals here for the, in the near term. I think there's no doubt you're going to, we're, we're, we're all going to have to be creative. I think the commercial real estate industry though, the way it's set up, if the only person on the side that is creative just to incubate a concept as a landlord, it, it will be a challenge because I think, you know, taking shots on tenants where, you know, that are high credit risk and are not firm fixed rent and pouring TI dollars. I think actually in the creativity, one of the places that has to happen is construction costs need to come down. TI dollars need to come down and there needs to be a more efficient way to build out spaces because if it costs that much and all the burden has to go to the landlord with that level of risk, what lenders aren't going to like that. 
Uh, landlords are not going to want to take that risk. I think it's going to be a challenge, right? You know, I've talked to some people about some creative deals in New York that in some places it would be better for that landlord just to leave it vacant. They can't get marked to market from a lender and all that type of thing. So I think there needs to be creativity. I think it needs to be shared creativity though. It can't be just one-sided because I, I don't think this is the time just like in a lot of recessions. I don't think this is the time you're just going to see people pouring dollars for things that don't have stability and, and durable cash flow streams with, with, you know, and, and, and a lot of visibility at the end of the tunnel. So I think that could be that, that, that is, and I don't think that's specific to Charlotte. I think that's just general in CRE. Uh, and I don't think that's specific to restaurants. I think that's general in multiple uses. I think construction costs need to come down and both sides need to get creative. One of the things about the restaurant industry that I think will be interesting, and I think that you're going to see restaurant stores get creative on, and we're already seeing this, is the second generation restaurant space. You know, a lot of restaurants, even if you're, especially national brands today, if you had a vacant McDonald's, which there's not many of those, right? They've done really well over the last decade. But if there's a vacant McDonald's and you pick the national brand concept that wants to take over that location. It's going to cost a fortune because they want to make it feel just like their brand, even though it's existing restaurant, they're going to try to change it up and make it feel like just their brand. It's going to be, you know, sometimes we've encountered where it costs just as much to just tear it down and build it, build a new one. Right. I think that's going to change. You're going to see obviously on the, the drive through QSR is hot right now, and that's going to continue to flourish. But I think you're going to see some, interesting re creative repurposes of some existing restaurants. Cause we're seeing a ton of restaurants that are looking to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity that some competition is going away and they're well, some well-capitalized ones. You know, I think some of the chains who are well-capitalized are going to definitely take that opportunity. But I, I just saw pizza huts closing 300 locations. I think that that screams to me that Domino's Domino's is going to start, you know, continuing given how strong they've been. They're going to start, you know, really trying to capture some market share. But the point in bringing it full circle is I think that this is unfortunately going to create some opportunities, but the opportunities, I think the right word is creative. I think the definition of creative is going to be interesting to see what that means in 12 months. Yeah, I think that you're already seeing that with people, you speaking specifically at restaurants, you know, trying to figure out how to use some of these defunct locations as ghost kitchens and things like that. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I think that I think it'll be really interesting. Based on what you're hearing, and I don't know how much you do in other markets, how, how do you feel like Charlotte in your world is doing comparatively? Because pre-pandemic, Charlotte on fire. Yeah, I think Charlotte's really lucky. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be doing what I'm doing in a, you know, in a Manhattan right now, or, or, you know, just a, you know, pick a city, pick a, pick a city, Rust Belt city, something where, where there's contraction and population, you know, Charlotte is on all kind of the, the top 10 lists, you know, places you want to go, places you want to visit, places you want to move to. Um, if anything, we're hearing more of that. Uh, a lot of our clientele from Manhattan, from the West Coast, 
you know, are talking more and more about moving here, you know, the quality of life, cost of living, you know, it, it has a lot going for it. Um, and it has, you know, massive amounts of fortune, fortune 500 companies. Yeah. I, obviously I'm high on Charlotte. Uh, I'm, I'm long on Charlotte. So I think that we're going to, I think we're going to come out of this even better prepared or, or better situated for the long run. Uh, you know, there's always the comparisons between Charlotte and Atlanta, like Charlotte's Atlanta 10 years ago. Hopefully we're, we're learning from some of their mistakes and, and we'll continue to, to, to keep growing. Uh, and I think the corridor, the 85 corridor between Raleigh and Atlanta, um, you can, you can argue is, is, is as well situated as anywhere in the country. Totally agree. Great, great city. You know, you do some interesting things, right? Your first floor on skyscrapers, first floor on multifamily, you bought bowling alleys. Give me some things that you think what the world of CRE retail restaurant looks like. What are some changes that you think are coming because of what's happened recently? Well, I think that you can go in a lot of different directions with that question. Yeah, I have the I have the luxury of talking to really, really intelligent retailers all the time. And the things that I keep hearing over and over is that we have had a massive acceleration in all the trends that we were already seeing. Everybody everybody that I've talked to has said we've had a five year acceleration of retail trends yep. that have happened in six months. Right. So it, it's hard to honestly just pick one. Uh, yeah, I'd say that everything has changed, and I'd say for the future, uh, you're gonna you're gonna see you know continu- continuing contraction of square footage. I think people are gonna be more creative uh, to to shrink in space. I think that you know people's ability to you know a lot of what I've talked to people have been talking about doing you know more buy online, pick up in store as more lip service, more to go as lip service more catering is lip service. Uh, and now it's like everybody is, is jumping on that bat bandwagon quickly in the restaurant world. Obviously if you're doing healthy, fresh, fast to go type food, you're, you're probably pretty well, uh, pretty well situated right now. Uh, I worry about the short term for places that I love to go that kind of not fine dining, but elevated casual, uh, where you're where you're sitting down and having a great meal with friends and family and ordering a nice bottle of wine and 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 having exceptional service yeah is that is I love I love that category uh, and you know I think that short term there that that's going to be challenging um, I really have my eye on retail as a logistics business right now I mean I think that you know, you're having the Amazons and the WalMarts turning every commodity into a logistics play more so than a retail play. So I think that'll be really interesting to look at. Like, are we going to start seeing the empty big box stores in secondary and tertiary markets starting to become kind of logistics centers more so than I'm going in and buying, you know, a coaster and a lamp, you know, I'm just going in to pick up something that I had ordered from XYZ retailer. Uh, So man, it's, it's hard to pick one thing. I think that we're in a, a, tumultuous, interesting time. And I, uh, I think that it's going to be fascinating to see what happens next. Totally agree. You said a lot there. I, I think the one, the last question, you, you spend a lot of time with restaurant tours and the category you like, I, 
I love as well. And you do a bunch of stuff and first floor and kind of walking pedestrian friendly areas. There's been this big push right now for drive throughs right? That's you're seeing it everywhere. Every, everybody, every time I go on LinkedIn, I see a new post about an, a concept that wasn't drive through. That's creating a drive through. Panera was a good poster child of that right before COVID. How do you think that, you know, I saw Shake Shack has a drive through concept that they are, are putting out and how do you think the ur- more urban pedestrian friendly environment, the type of food you know, category that you're talking about, you know, when, when that's, what's hot, how do, how do they get through this and to the other side and get people coming back? I, well, your, your question, I would break down into, into a couple parts, right? So the first part is I think it makes tons of sense for people like Panera Shake Shack to do drive through. No question that that's on their mind. No question that they should be thinking about that. But I think the problem they're going to run into is municipalities. I, I had a hard time. Like, let's use Charlotte as an example. Charlotte thinks that drive-throughs are, you know, just you, you just cussed at them, right? Like, they, they don't they don't like that. Yeah, there's a lot of municipalities that have put moratoriums on drive-throughs across the country. Right, and 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 in the South, you know, I live in the South. Uh, you know, Chick-fil-A is a great example of you know why people love drive-throughs and why municipalities hate them because they're so busy that they cause traffic issues for three blocks in every direction. So I would say that municipalities are going to be the bigger holdup to like a drive through re- revival than the actual concepts. Because you think a group like Panera group, like Shake Shack, you, you know, it's not rocket science for guys that are that sophisticated to, to do a drive through pilot program and, and to gauge it. Um, but I'd say if you bring it into the urban cores where drive throughs just aren't, feasible, right? It's just hard to think about doing drive-thrus all over the place in a, in a fully developed area. I think that you're going to see more and more concepts really double down on to go, really double down on, um, on you know, buy online, pick up and store. I'll give you a stupid example is Chipotle, right? Like the, the difference, if you would have tracked their website and their order online, order through their app, like um, user interface, right? The UI, in between like day one of COVID or day zero of COVID and today, it's a different experience, right? Because it's all about customization. And when you go into Chipotle, you're like, I want a little bit of that. I want a lot of that. I want a little bit of that. I want none of that, blah, blah, blah. Couldn't do that online. But now you can. You can go in and say, I just want half of this. I want light this. I want extra this. So I think that I think that when you can't do a drive-through, these people are going to double down on the on the quick experience on the quick grab and go experience on the quick DoorDash experience on, on all of that. So I, I think that that's how that translates into the urban market. And then when we go back to the, we'll call it elevated casual. I think you, I think the only way that they can compete is to, is to try to figure out how to, how to get their elevated level of, of consumer experience into their front door. So better packaging, better to go, um, better overall experience. So instead of me just like, I'll, I'll use an example. There's a, there's a restaurant called Stagione that is a phenomenal restaurant here in town. Uh, shout out to Bruce Moffat, kick-ass restaurateur and chef. Uh, you know, instead of just being able to get a pizza, it's you get a take and bake pizza and a cocktail kit and a bottle of Chianti and 
you know, the salad that we didn't dress yet, right? Because we don't want to get soggy, but the dressing is right there and the blah, 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 blah. So you have to figure out a way to take that experience. Because if I'm going to drop 50, 60 bucks on a to-go order or 80 bucks on a to-go order, I want to feel like I'm still getting that elevated experience, not just like getting soggy, um, you know, soggy paper products and, and a plastic spoon. So I think everybody's going to have to ask themselves some really interesting questions and try to figure out how to step up their game for our new normal, because honestly, hard, nothing's going to happen until November, right? Like this is going to, we're going to keep, this is, this, the new cycles aren't going to change until after November. And then like everybody that I, not everybody, I know a lot of people that are in that next generation ahead of me, call it, you know, people in their fifties and their sixties and their seventies. I mean, they ain't going out, right? They're just not. And if they are, they're being very, very cautious about where they go and who they go with. So I think, I think for the next, the next year, everybody's got to figure out how to, how to be very, very good at what they do and how to adapt very quickly or they're not going to be around. Spot on, man. I, I, I love the, the concept about, you know, just every, the quick, quick, quick in the downtown urban environment, really, uh, really interesting. And I agree. And I, I think that's how they, they they mimic that speed of the drive through downtown. So uh, really cool. Thank you for sharing that. I want to pivot. The next piece of our show is the story. And I know you, you've got many. Why don't you, you tell us a story, something interesting of how a store ended up in the location it did? Uh, I, yeah, I'd love to tell you stories. I've got, you know, plenty of war stories. <laughs> Uh, but honestly, I, I'd love to talk about just, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are probably have just gotten into the business, you know, somewhere in the last 18 to 24 months, like the, like the young guys that are here. Uh, you know, the, the story for me, you know, I, I was doing, uh, I just started doing the restaurant work, right. I was making no money downturns here. Um, you know, starting to ask yourself a lot of hard questions about, about life choices and career choices. And, you know, didn't, didn't know if, if this restaurant kind of specialty that I had chosen was going to pan out. Uh, I was doing a lot of work with, a, with some restaurant groups that, that are, that are from out of town. And, you know, when you, when you're doing tenant rep work, which I, I've done a ton of over, over the years, um, you're, you're at somebody else's whim and, and discretion, right? Like just cause you want a deal to happen, just cause it looks good on paper, you got no control. Right. So, you know, was working on a certain deal for, for 18 months and it, and it happened and then died and happened and then died a dozen times. And I, I'll, I'll never forget when, when that lease got signed, it's not the, the biggest deal I've ever done. It's not the sexiest deal I've ever done. But, but when, but if you, if you commit to something and stay on it and, and just don't take no for an answer, there's a lot of other people that'll turn back and that, and that won't see it through. And it was like getting that first deal done with a real landlord and a real tenant completely changed the trajectory of my career. And what was, what was the store? What was the restaurant called Taco Mac? Uh, it is a it was, it's the biggest sports bar in Atlanta. Uh, they came to Charlotte, opened some stores. Uh, was this in Charlotte? This was in Charlotte, correct? Yeah, South Park Mall. 
in Charlotte, right outside of Southport Mall in Charlotte. Um, and honestly, it shouldn't have happened 10 different times. Countless trips uh, down 85 to Atlanta, countless trips with everybody from private equity groups to the CEOs to, you know, to the owners of Piedmont Town Center. And the, the, deal, the deal died and was re- resurrected 20 times. But honestly, it's not as much about that deal because it, it could have been a totally different deal. It could have been, a, you know, for somebody, it could have been an office deal. For somebody, it could be a warehouse deal. But the, but the point is, the point that I want to make is one deal can legitimately change the narrative of your career. Uh, and I'm not talking about monetarily. I'm not like that deal. That money's been spent. Like we, <laughs> like I said, I like nice wine. That money's been spent. Uh, but it, but it's more of the validation. Like once you get that one deal under your belt, doors open, uh, and, and it's not doors that you expect. It's 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 doors that you that you never even anticipated. And anybody out there that is that is trying that is struggling right now you know, is, is, is not quite sure how they're going to stay in the business. All I can tell you is that, is that try to figure out a way to stick it out because it's, it's the best business. It's the best career can lead you in a hundred different directions. And one deal can change the tide. So I got a lot of questions. You ready? Go. So, so first question. And do you think, if that deal didn't make that you would be in the business today? You know, it's hard to say. Um, I'd say that I don't know if I would be doing the same quantity and caliber of deals today, today, six months ago. (laughs) Uh, Today I'm not doing as many deals as I was six months ago. Uh, I, I think it's, I think you could make a, make an argument that I wouldn't be doing the same, number of caliber of deals again, because it, it wasn't that I don't think it was as much that the outside world said, oh, okay, this guy does institutional deals now. Right. I don't think it was as much that I think that once you, it's like talking to a, you know, a basketball player, or a baseball player that, you know, they need to hit that one shot. Right. It's not sure. that they they're now a better basketball player because they hit that one shot. It's just once you get that deal under your belt, it's very easy to start stacking wood. Right. It's very easy to it's very easy to, to take that and then and then take the next step. So I don't know if I would have washed out of the business per se, but I will say that it gave me the resume, the credibility, the confidence to, to double down and triple down and, and and get to where those deals, you know, were, were just a normal course of business. I know it was a long time ago. And, and if you can't remember, I understand. But how long after the Taco Mac deal? Did it take to make your second deal? With Takamak or with somebody else? With anybody. Uh, I, I think that after then, deals started again. You know, was- That's the point is, that's the point I'm getting at. Like, did they start to flow in at that point? Now that- They did. And, and, and this is you know, something, that el- something else that I would touch on for your listeners. And again, this is, this is talking to maybe some of the, some of the younger listeners. Um, you, you, I really like specializing, right? Not everybody does, right? Not everybody does. A lot of people are generalists and they do a great job of that. They make great money and they love it. I like, I love adding value, right? That's the reason I do the podcast. Um, you know, I, I like 
truly adding value to whatever situation I'm in. And I think that specializing, whether it's in, you know, office, whether it's in industrial, whether, whether it's in restaurants, retail, goes a long, long way to, to helping you add value. So I think that that gave me the ability to specialize, to double down on my specialty and to really know the nitty gritty of especially, which at that time was restaurants, right? I do a ton of retail now. It's, it's a little bit more broad, uh, but in restaurants, I could sit with a chef or with a back of the house or a front of the house restaurant tour and talk to them about labor costs, liquor costs, construction costs, you know, the difference between a salamander and, uh, and you know, a different type of, of oven. You know, I could, I could get into the weeds with these people and they were like, Whoa, I've met other commercial real estate brokers. This guy's talking to me in a different manner, which enabled me to have the confidence to buy a freaking nasty old bowling alley, Right. Because I, because I was in the business, I was, I was specializing in the business a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it, specifically led to more deals the next week, but it certainly led me down a fun path. Unpacking that a little bit more, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the ups and downs of deals, right. And they die, they come back to life. We've all had deals that, that take five years. Uh, you know, I, we, I recently had, a. a broker on who represented, uh, the, the tenant on a CVS deal and I was the landlord and, you know, and he was telling the story about that. And the first thing he said is that, you know, he checked the LO, the first LOI and the deal probably starts before the LOI. And he was checking the LOI and the LOI was 2015 and they just opened in the pandemic, the CVS at my property. So, right. Deals, deals have ups and downs. Right. But, and you mentioned, and you, and you spoke to the listeners and saying that they need to stick with it. And this isn't, I, I'm not trying to set you down a, a path where, you, you might sound arrogant, but just per, to, to really understand the perseverance, do you think at any time if you had stepped away from the process that that deal would have got done and Taco Mac would have opened there? Or, because I, I, I think there's a lot of occasions where special deal makers really have to bring everyone together to keep it going, or it could just unravel. Yeah, I think that you know, brokers, it's funny, you know, brokers can be you know, massively influential in deal or brokers can get in the way of a deal, you know, there, and, and I've been, I've been a part of both situations. Uh, I think at the end of the day, we bring principles together. And then honestly, you know, my job sometimes is as much like counselor, you know, therapist as, as it is, you know, commercial real estate expert. Right. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if, me walking away in that deal specifically would have, would have derailed it. I, I think that the CEO of Takamak still a really good friend of mine, Bob Campbell at that time, dude's a stud, right? Like if, if he wanted that deal to happen, he was going to figure out how to make that happen. And that's, that's another thing that's so much fun about this business. I get to interact with guys that are just, and, and ladies, obviously that are, they're just total studs. I mean, these people, a lot of them have started a business from scratch. They weren't handed anything. It's retail is a hard ass business. And these guys have, have bootstrapped it and figure out, figured out how to make a concept out of it, figured out how to grow it. By the time they get to me, they're usually multiple stores and maybe hunting for private equity, or maybe they just got, got private equity. I mean, these are, these are serious people that I get to interact with on a professional level. And, and 
I'm a lot of times I'm lucky to be in the room with them. So I don't want to sit and think that, you know, I'm making the deals happen. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think in nowadays, even more, one of the things we talk about a lot is no one person makes a deal anymore, right? It, it is a lot of team efforts going on for multiple parties, you know, uh, you know, at, at DLC where we're at, it, 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 it takes an entire D- team to, you know, we have awesome legal team, construction, property management, and it take, you know, our asset management, it takes everyone to get a deal done. So, you know, one of the parts we didn't talk about in that deal was how did you end up with the Taco Mac account? Uh, so again, back to when we were just trying to figure out how to get in the business. Uh, one of my good friends and, and still business partners, probably on the other side of that wall right there, Dave Sherhart, uh, knew Bob Campbell goes way back. Uh, I had a, connection with a restaurant group in the Midwest. He had a connection with a group in Atlanta. We literally were like, Hey, you came out of the restaurant business. You know, a lot of people, I know how to do deals. Let's, let's team up and figure out and and see if we can start doing restaurants. And that's, that's how the restaurant blog happened. That's how, that's how a bunch of restaurant deals got done over the years. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just relationships, man. Just try to figure out how to leverage those relationships. My takeaways of the story are perseverance network and, you know, and the, the benefits of one leads to that, as you call it, stacking wood. So that's life, man. I mean, it's all about, it's all about who's willing to be more creative, who's willing to work harder. And then relationships and partnerships are the only reason that, that I'm, I'm worth a damn today. I mean, we, we, yeah, this is a relationship. This is a people business. And if yeah, you don't is. understand how to, how to take the long view. I and mean, if, if you look at relationships like transactions, you're going to wash out. You're just going to wash out. I've always concentrated much more on adding value and being trustworthy than, you know, how do I use this relationship as a, to get to the next transaction? That's, that's a, that's very short sighted. But if you can, if you can just be there, add value, and, and be a trusted resource for people, they will bend over backwards to, to see you succeed. Totally. We'll, we'll, we'll stop that story there. That was spot on. That was a drop the mic moment, man. Thank you. Uh, moving on. Last part of our show. You ready? I'm ready. The speed uh, round. It's not really speed, but, uh, it's my, three questions. I ask everybody. All right. I'm ready. I have not prepped for this. So if I, if I fall on my face, then, then, yeah, hopefully you can edit it out. <laughs> totally. Ready? What is your best piece of commercial real estate advice? Oh man, I just I, I just used a couple good ones. I know. Honestly, specialize like I like I already said. Again, it's not for everybody, but if it's me, I, I'll tell any person right out of the gate to specialize in something. Find something that you would do for free. You know what I mean? Like find something that that you're you you're passionate about. And, and try to stick with that. And then the, the second part of that would be, like I just said, relationships. Try to figure out you know, what, relations, what relationships you can add value to and, and take the long game on relationships. And, and if, you're, if you're new to the business, stay humble. Man. Your, your first few deals are gonna be ugly, not sexy deals. So don't, don't be too big to do the little deals. Because again, it's all about staff. All right. Second question. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Oh man, there's so many now. Um, 
you know, it's hard for me to watch the like slow agonizing demise of J crew. Um, because I remember high school and college walking into a J crew and be like, man, if I could be rocking these cable knit sweaters, dog, I would be <laughs> flick. And, you know, it was a, it was like a, prestige or it was like an aspirational brand for normal people, right? The clothes were well-made. Um, you know, I, I bet I've got a J crew sweater that's 15 years old, 20 years old and still, and still, uh, and still is, is fine. So it's, it's hard to watch them just slowly, you know, run into the iceberg. Uh, that, that, that's been a shilling new one to come in and, and take their place. All right, man. Last question. Recently, you know, I've been playing with some gadgets at my house. I'm working from home still. Our offices are, are going back in January, so I've been playing with some gadgets. I've had the Ring camera for a year and just never set it up, and I set it up this weekend. And, and now, now I'm getting more rings, the, the, this type of ring, the, for the whole thing, right? So I'm on Amazon's website. I'm looking at the Ring Floodlight Camera Motion Activated HD Security Cam Two-Way Talk and Siren Alarm Black, and it works with Alexa. What does that retail for? So this is the the Camera Floodlight Combo. It's a Camera Floodlight Combo Two-Way Talk Siren Alarm. I'm gonna go with. I'm just gonna go flat. 120 bucks. Two forty nine ninety nine, man, way off. Yeah, yeah I was, way, I was like half. Yeah, you were off there. It's all right though. You gave a lot of good insights. It's all good. Awesome. Well, listen, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Great stuff. Um, let me know if there's anything I can do for you, man. And I, I guess I'll be. Uh, we're setting up something for me to come on yours soon. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I look forward to it. I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to think of some, you put you on the spot questions when you come on, uh, and I'll, I'll try to return. I'll try to return the favor. All right. Cool, man. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, man. Take care. Thank you for listening to retail retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retail retold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.